This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. We need to have a big view of God. We need to have a, a view of God that, that blows us away, that, that totally just blows us away. I can't even express anything greater than that. We all want to change, right? We all have different things we struggle with. We have different things that, uh, the different sins that we, we uh, commit that, that uh, we might feel guilt about. We might uh, want to, to change the way we behave. And the Bible teaches us that it's not through effort that we can fix ourselves, that we can be better people. But it's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about trusting in Jesus, trusting that He has saved us and He changes us from the inside out. And one of the things we need in order to grow, in order to, to be able to overcome sin, is a greater vision of God. One of the Puritans uh, wrote a book called the, the Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Now, I haven't read the book, but the title's good enough. The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Uh, when, you, when you have a, a love for God, when you see how great and glorious God is, that expul, expels those old desires, those old sins that we struggled with. You want to overcome whatever it is that you're facing in your life? Get a big vision of God. And that's what Isaiah gives us this morning in Isaiah chapter 6. Let's read our text. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of His robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then he said, Then I said, I am here. Here am I. Send me. And he said, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing. But do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. 
Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until the cities lie waste without inhabitant and the houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that uh, you have spoken to us, Lord, that you do not leave us wandering around in darkness, but you have given us your very word. And your word brings life. Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes that we might see and not be like the people in Isaiah's time where they see, but they don't see. We pray that you would open our ears, Lord, that we would not be hearing, but not hearing. Lord, open our ears that we hear what it is that you want to say to us. Lord, the power is in your word. Lord, be with me. A sinful man. Use my clay lips, Lord, to proclaim your word in Jesus' name. Amen. We begin in the year that King Uzziah died. Uzziah was the king of Judah. Uzziah was the king who had been ruling for 52 years. You can imagine after a rule that was so long, there were many, many people that had had never seen another king other than Uzziah. He had ruled for so long. You can imagine that having a rule that was so long, there must have been a time of stability. And Isaiah tells us that this vision of God happened at the time when Uzziah died. This great time of stability comes to an end. What's going to happen now? The king that we've had for 52 years has died. What's going to happen now? And they knew the Assyrians were raising up an army and there was, they were going to be coming in and destroying Israel. What's going to happen now that the king has died? And not just any king. You know, God's people were divided into two at the time of David's grandson, Rehoboam. There was Israel in the north. There was Judah in the south. The kings of Israel were not of the line of David, but the kings of Judah, they were of the line of David. 
Remember, God promised David he would one day have a son that would sit on his throne and rule forever. It would be an everlasting kingdom that did not have any end. And you have this king of Judah, Uzziah, who ruled for 52 years. And he's died. What will happen to the Davidic line? To the promise that God made to David? What will happen? This time of turmoil, this time when the, the son of David had died. This time when there was uncertainty about what was going to happen next, Isaiah saw the Lord. He saw the Lord. Can you imagine if we saw the Lord? We sang face to face with Christ my Savior. And we sing about how that will be a great day when we get to see the Lord face to face. But Isaiah saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up. He was sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. You know how big the Lord was? There was the temple and what Isaiah saw was that just the little corner of his robe filled the temple. He was so big and so glorious and so high that it just took the corner of his robe to fill the temple. Above him stood seraphim. What are these seraphim? The seraphim, these angelic beings, the word, the Hebrew word for uh, seraph, uh, um, it means to burn. Uh, it means a shining, burning. So these, these angelic beings that were shining were standing above the Lord in Isaiah's vision. You can imagine how scary this might be. Above him stood seraphim and this description of them. Each one had six wings. These shining, burning, angelic beings, each beside the Lord. They had six wings. With two they covered their face because they even these angels could not look upon the face of God because He was so holy, so majestic. They covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. We can think of Moses as he met the Lord at the burning bush. The Lord told him, Take off your feet for the place where you're standing, or take off your shoe sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Isaiah sees even these angels, even these angelic beings, they covered their feet. And not only did they cover their feet, but they had two more wings in which they flew so that they would not touch this holy ground. The angels adored Him. The angels reverenced Him and saw Him as so glorious they could not even look upon Him. Then it says, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy 
is the Lord of hosts. We sang that this morning. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. The angels sang that. and In Hebrew, the, the way you express the greatest magnitude of something is to say it three times, to repeat it three times. And it was holy, holy, holy. He's not just holy. He's not just holy, holy. He's holy, holy, holy. He is. What is holiness? Holiness, we, we understand as, as a moral virtue, moral purity, but it's also a separateness. He is so high and above us, so high and above anything we could ever imagine. He is so different from us. We are clay. He formed us and molded us into His own image out of dirt. And yet God is holy. He is different from us. He has existed from all eternity. And it says the whole earth is full of His glory. Just the corner of His robe filled the temple. But the whole earth is filled with His glory. Glory. The word for glory is weighty. Heavy. You could feel the weight of the Lord. It wasn't something trivial. It wasn't something to laugh at. It was weighty. Do we feel the sense of weightiness when we think of God? Do we feel that reverence and awe when we think of this glorious, majestic God who made us and who cares for us. And then verse 4, the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of Him who called. Now who was calling? It was the seraph who was calling. One was calling to another. Now God was so big that these seraphim who were so big that when their voices called out, the temple would shake. If the seraphim were that big, imagine how big God was. That the seraphim called out and the foundations of the thresholds of the temple shook at His voice. It says the house was filled with smoke. That's talking about the temple. It was filled with smoke. How would we respond? Probably a lot like Isaiah. When we come in front of a holy God, when we come and, and we see a vision of who He really is, we can have no other response than the one that Isaiah has. He says, woe is me. Woe is me. I am lost. In, in another translation it says, I am undone. He is totally bowled over by how glorious God is. He has been totally devastated to see the glory and the majesty of God. Woe is me. 
for I am lost. And then he confesses his sin. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. Isaiah says, I've had a filthy mouth. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He saw that he was sinful. He saw that he could not stand in the presence of God. And not only that, he knew that everybody he dwelled around, everybody he lived around, was also in the same condition. How often are we just like the people around us? Isaiah, he saw the Lord, he saw he was sinful, and he saw everybody he knew was in the same boat. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Notice this. This vision happens at the time when King Uzziah, the one who sat on the Davidic throne, died. But God was still on the throne. Isaiah said he saw the Lord, the King, the Lord of hosts, sitting on the throne. When we see instability, when, we, when things seem to be falling apart, we need to remember what Isaiah saw here. The Lord is on His throne. When your life seems like it's falling apart, remember, the Lord is on His throne. Then, one of the seraphim, one of these giant, majestic, burning, flaming creatures, flew to Isaiah. And he had in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongs from the altar. What was this altar supposed to be? The altar in the temple was the place where sacrifice was made. We know that for our sins to be forgiven, we must have a blood sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed rams and goats and and different kinds of animals to represent what was going to come later when Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross as a sacrifice to take away our sins. But Isaiah, he saw there was a coal taken from this altar And it was placed on his mouth. Can you imagine a coal being placed on your mouth? A hot coal. The angel wasn't trying to be cruel to Isaiah. He was purifying him. You can imagine how whenever something is... It needs to be disinfected. You might stick it into the fire to, to kill all the germs. This coal that had come from the altar, this coal that represented the sacrificial system of of the sacrifice that God provided for our sins. He touched Isaiah's mouth with it. Isaiah was concerned. He was a person of unclean lips. 
And God took care of exactly what his problem was. He touched his lips with it. And he says, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. If we want to stand in the presence of a holy God, we have to know we have the same promise that Isaiah had. That our sin is taken away. That our guilt is atoned for. And that can only be done through the cross of Jesus Christ. All of that sacrificial system all pointed forward to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection in which He took our place. We deserve God's righteous wrath upon us. We deserve punishment in hell. Yet when we place our faith in Jesus, our sin is taken away and our guilt is atoned for. Verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say to this people. Um, What comes after he cleanses us? When God cleanses us, when he's forgiven us, when he's taken away our sins through the blood of Jesus, what does he do? He calls us on a mission for him, doesn't he? He calls us with the Great Commission to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them whatsoever I've commanded you. Just like Isaiah, he had to be cleansed before God could send him on a mission. It wouldn't do any good to go out and proclaim, come to church, or any other message unless you first been cleansed by the Savior. Our cleansing precedes our mission. Isaiah, he hears the call of God saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? He volunteers. He says, send me, Lord. Send me. And the Lord tells him, go and say to this people, just listen to this message. No preacher wants to hear this. Go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but don't understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. What is God saying to Isaiah? He's saying, go and preach and these people are not going to listen to you. You can preach and preach and preach and they will just be heaping up judgment because they've been warned and they're not going to listen. That's what Isaiah is called to do. He's called to go and preach that a judgment is coming, but the people won't listen. That's not very encouraging for a preacher. Most of us would give up if we had a message like that from God. 
God calls us to be faithful regardless of the results, doesn't He? To go and preach. You know, we think of William Carey. He was the father of the modern missionary movement. He went to, I believe it was Burma. He preached for seven years before he had one convert. And people could look at him before that one person that was saved and think, what does that crazy guy think he's doing? He went to Burma, away from where there's healthy living. And what is he, crazy? He's, he's just going there to preach, but nobody's listening. Nobody's hearing. He hasn't seen one convert. But yet, we look at him today and say he's the father of the modern missionary movement. God calls us to go and depend on Him for the results. He requires our obedience to go and notice we are, He tells us what to say. He didn't just say, go and just preach whatever you feel like it. He didn't say, go and give a bunch of life tips on how they can be happier and have their best life now. Sorry for the dig. No, he says, go and this is what I want you to say. So a faithful preacher is committed to preaching the Word of God. Not to go to the left or to the right, but to preach, proclaim what God says to His people. And Isaiah, after hearing Nobody's going to listen to you. You're going to keep on preaching, but they're not going to hear you. He asks, how long, O Lord? We might ask the same question. If God called us into a similar situation and said, nobody's going to listen to you, you might ask, how long? What? How long? When? How, how long will I have to be there before you consider me obedient, Lord? And the Lord doesn't let him off easy. He says, until the cities lie waste. You're going to preach, Isaiah, until there's nobody left. The Assyrians are going to come in. They're going to demolish Israel. And there won't even be anybody left. Until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, and the houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes His people far away. And forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. But then he gets around to a little bit of hope. But not before getting worse. Sometimes, you know, it gets a little worse before it gets better. He says, and though a tenth will remain in it, it will be burned again. So the cities are destroyed, the people are gone, but there might still be a little bit left. A tenth of the people left in the town, in the cities. And it'll be burned again. You ever have a, a tree you cut down, and you try to burn the stump out, you have to keep doing it over and over again. It just lasts there for a long, long time. It's like that. With God and His people there, He says, even though a tenth remain in it, it'll be burned again. 
like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. And then he says this, the holy seed is in its stump. What's that all about? The holy seed is its stump. Let's go back to the first verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, King Uzziah was the king of Judah. He was the son of David. He was the one through whom the promise should come. And Isaiah was wondering, what's going to happen, God? The king has died. The one who was promised to sit on the throne of David forever has died. What are you going to do, God? God gives him a vision of himself and he promises at the very end, the holy seed is in his stump, is in the stump. He tells Isaiah, I'm going to destroy Israel. It's going to be really, really bad. And yet, there's going to be a remnant in which the seed of the woman from back in Genesis 3, the promised one who would come and crush the serpent's head, was coming. The seed of Abraham, the promised one, the one who would bless all nations. The seed of David, the one who would sit on the throne forever, would still survive. Fast forward 700 years to a town called Bethlehem. A descendant of the line of David is born in Bethlehem. The holy seed was in the stump. This passage is all about Jesus. Will God be faithful to His promises? When Uzziah had died and things looked like they were going to take a turn for the worst, God would be faithful to His promises. He would still send this holy seed, this messianic Savior who would come and die for us, save His people from their sins. We need a big vision of God. We need to see a God who is so big and so glorious that it rocks our world. It shakes our foundations. We need a vision of God who is sitting on the throne when our world is shaken. He's still on the throne, and He's faithful to His promise to save us. That's our God.